hello everyone my name is Alice and if you're new here welcome I'm a second year at Davidson College and I hope for this podcast to be a platform to advocate and elevate silence voices at Davidson College and I'm joined here with my first guest of this podcast Valeria Donoso. To start off, we'll just do a bit of introduction for people who don't know me. Again, I'm Alice, and my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm an Africana and Hispanic Studies double major, and this is my second year on campus, and then I'll let Valeria introduce herself. Hi, I'm Valeria. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I study biology as a senior at Davidson. I'm also on the pre-med track. Lydia and I met in History of Enslaved Latin America with Dr. Luis. That class was very foundational to my own understanding of what I kind of want to apply myself after college with. And I've really just taken a lot from that class and it was really great to be able to share this experience with Valeria and other very empowered women in the class. Hence the reason why we're doing this podcast episode right now. First question is, do you consider yourself an activist on campus? If so, for what? I mean, I can say that sometimes I can be perceived as an activist, I think, just because of, I don't know, like I, I tend to talk a lot of when when things go down and, and situations happen. I think for sexual violence, I've been pretty active in the conversation on campus. I think that I have become more active in it, but also like the person that sometimes has to be leading conversations like that. I've also been pretty active with conversations about POCs on campus and spaces on campus that POCs can feel safe in, but that's that that conversation isn't necessarily led by me. Yeah, and, and so what has sparked your passion for the work that you do on campus? Coming in to Davidson and like having my own values and being a freshman and not not really like knowing what I was getting into and then being a freshman and observing things and sort of staying quiet and seeing like what was going on how was the community and just seeing like things go wrong <laughs> there was a lot of sexual violence on campus my freshman year my freshman fall it was pretty bad at the beginning a lot of people were assaulted and drugged and then my freshman fall also um, I had a lot of racism on campus there's you know Nazis so I think like just my freshman year seeing how everything was the dynamics were on campus sort of empowered me more to talk about it not that there was not anyone doing it because a lot of women were leading conversations a lot of women of color specifically like black women were leading conversations but like after those voices left campus who was going to lead the conversation why are we, why are black women always having these conversations you know like we should all be having these conversations right and leading these conversations um, so I think that's why also I've been pushed to like advocate for different things yeah and I feel like I mean just as a second year I feel like that is definitely a trend that I've noticed I know that things have definitely probably changed a lot since your first year in campus but definitely the brunt does fall on like women of color or just the BIPOC community or the marginalized populations to do all of the heavy lifting and the initiating of all of the conversations. That also leads me to my next question is, uh, what barriers have you run into through your time at Davidson and how have you overcome them? And I guess this is more in the advocacy sphere or just the work that you're doing. For sexual violence, 
the barriers that I've come across is like that nobody really cares. Um, yeah, like I, it's, it, I mean, administration wise and also like student wise, once when things happen and people want to like, I don't know, or threatened for their space on campus, like for example, like the IFCs, when they're threatened about like their space allocation and their space on campus, then they start caring about all these issues. <laughs> then they start caring about sexual violence and then they start caring about race. That wasn't part of the conversation. They wouldn't necessarily care. So I think that's been a barrier for me, like the, the fact that nobody really is continuously doing work that's not necessarily reactionary because every like you know like every once in a while like so there's something really bad happening like the nazis event that happened my freshman year it, there they had there was like a, a protest for it and everybody really cared for like a couple days and then everybody that was new to the conversation their voices died off and they didn't continue talking about it and then everybody that was there before that were already like having these conversations were the ones that stayed so I think that's been the barriers <laughs> for me. Yeah, and so I guess addressing those barriers and just through your time at Davidson, how do you feel like your tactics for making yourself heard and, and advocating have changed in regards to the work that you have been doing or why have they changed or why have they not changed? I mean, I think it goes with the whole point of reactionary things. Like last semester when things were hitting the fan, right? <laughs> and everybody was worried about sexual violence on campus. There was the like, yik-yak about being drugs on, in a fraternity and everything, like at a, frat a fraternity party. I think that like my freshman year or like my sophomore year activist mind would have wanted to like immediately do something about it and immediately like make a really big statement or like, I, I don't know, I would have probably like hosted a meeting and been really anxious the whole time. I would have probably had like an anxiety attack while like hosting the meeting, right? And I would have, it would have been so detrimental to me Yep. as a survivor and a woman of color. And like, I think that's what I would have done back then. I would have done something like that would have probably harmed me more than helped me, even when I'm also just as validly like affected by whatever goes on on campus. So, but I think now like I'm much more like thoughtful of what I do. And that, like, I see that it's going to go in the long run rather than the short-term, like, things that if I, like, it's like I don't do something right now, it's okay <laughs> because yeah. I can take a breather, process everything, and, you know, next week something that I already had planned to do is going to happen and, like, the people that do care are going to, like, still support that and learn about it. So that's what I think I've been doing differently. Yeah, and unfortunately, like, many of the, issues that we fight for things obviously that don't go in just a day or just mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that these problems will still be imminent or exactly. like something that affects us every day or affects mm -hmm. many marginalized people and so I guess yeah like learning that it can wait because unfortunately these topics or these themes will still continue to permeate in our lives even if we wait a week or a yeah. month or whenever we decide to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess now that I know your major, it's a little bit different, but I guess just <laughs> my next question was, how have your classes or your major affected the way that I guess you take on advocacy or the way that you take on your extracurriculars and the way and the reasons why you chose the activities that you are involved in now? Well, I mean, I think it's still really interesting that I'm pre-med, mm -hmm. but my extracurriculars don't necessarily align with being a pre-med. 
I don't do anything. That's just <laughs> pre-med, like, at all. <laughs> through my extracurriculars, that's, like, that's, like, super explicit, you know? I mean, I do do some things. Like, I, I work with, like, a, the, the, another podcast that's, like, focused on gynecology. I think it's really interesting that, like, although I'm very STEM-oriented within my classes, I'm, I'm not necessarily, out, like, like that outside. And I feel like that's what's so important and needed in medicine. It's pretty annoying when I see somebody like, pursuing medicine, right? And, like, that's all they live and breathe. And it's annoying because they're not, they're training to be, like, somebody who cuts and sees something as, like, an equation, I guess, rather than seeing somebody as, like, a human, a person, and saying how, like, somebody's whole life can affect somebody's health and like thinking more holistically about things. But as for my activism though, <laughs> I think that within my activism, within like POCs and spaces on campus, I think it has like had effects on an effect on me that I was a lot in science and in STEM. In my freshman year when the incident happened, I keep bringing, bringing back, going back to that, but I mean, it was so impactful on, on me and like the way I view people on campus coming from Miami, a very minority based city. And then thinking, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Like you're at a PWI, but it'll be okay. You'll make the most out of it. And then that happening, you know, like I was like, I was just so struck. And then going back to my science classes that do have a lot of white students in, taught by white professors. I just did not know what to do. So I think that being my major, I think that I've tried to make up for it <laughs> everywhere else. And that's why I have like a balance, I guess. And so I guess, I mean, you did talk a little bit about looking back at yourself for yourself, but I would guess my next question is, what advice would you give your first yourself <laughs> and looking back and reflecting back on your time at Davidson? I guess just in terms of, you know, your working canvas, but then also, I guess, the way that you approach different situations and, yeah, not just within your advocacy, but just the way that you view Davidson now. Mm -hmm. um, what what advice would you give yourself? That's a pretty difficult it's, question. It's a hard question because I'm the type of person where, like, I don't, I don't know, people find this really annoying about me, but I stick to my answer. Like, if let's say you were to ask me, like, what are my biggest regrets in life, I would mm -hmm. tell you that, like, I have no regret in life because I feel like everything that's happened to me has built me into the person I am today. And I feel like without that little thing, I wouldn't be able to learn. Yeah. And so it's a hard question because I'm like, I give no advice because <laughs> I would not want to change anything. But <laughs> to answer the question, you know, and take it seriously, um, I think I would definitely tell myself to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> because I did not start going to therapy, well, I mean, or counseling or therapy, right, with my psychiatrist. Um, I did not start going until like the end of my sophomore year mm. and uh, not barely I went once and then didn't go again until like the beginning of my junior year and it was just so terrible it was it, I really needed it <laughs> it would have been so nice to have had that before honestly I would have learned like that's something I would have learned a lot of things early on but I don't know if that would have put me into the place that I am now so you know I'm still with my no regrets answer <laughs> But yeah, I think I would definitely have gone to therapy because it's just so stressful. Activism is so difficult when you are directly affected by the things that happen as well. Like, it's just so difficult. That's why I think it's just so, like, it's just so tiring and you're expected to, like, have everything put together. And it was also, like, so hard last semester because 
while everything was blowing up with sexual violence, I was stressed and I was like super anxious with everything. And my body was like having a trauma response, you know, and I was so annoyed. It's just honestly gaslighting when people have nowhere out of the woods and think that like, <laughs> like, I don't know, like I've seen some really ridiculous things on Instagram about like people that like don't talk about sexual violence. They just come out of nowhere and they're like, oh, I know how to fix this problem. <laughs> I'm like, where were you? Like, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, well, I, I don't know. There's only people here doing the work and then there's people like that are here for the long run and like, I, I don't know. So it was just so gaslighting to see people caring all of a sudden. Mm. And I was like, it just made me feel like I was crazy that like, because my my, my original thought is that nobody, you know, a lot of, not a lot of people care. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people are doing much to uh, like, go against it and of course there are people out there that do but it's just diluted by everybody who's harming everybody else and, and just rape culture in general so to see people caring so much i was like oh man i was crazy the whole time there's people out there caring but no <laughs> because where are they now yeah, you know now like we like, like sasby actually had an event recently with the kappas and um, the nphc yeah. on campus and nobody came so it's like it was just like interesting you know like I mean, it's, it's two things, you know, nobody, not a lot of people support NPHC organizations and also not a lot of people support like sexual violence things, you know, like events and like awareness and everything. And especially um, when it's not like directly affecting the usage of a space exactly, like an IFC exactly. or yeah. their own yeah. or yeah. if it's exactly. not directly correlated yeah. and affecting and impacting them, mm -hmm. they're not going to show yeah, up. They're not going to care. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So it's, so it's so stressful, right? <laughs> my body, like, I, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I need to do this work. But then my body's also like, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, I think that I would have definitely gone to therapy sooner. <laughs> yeah, I um, think everyone needs, yeah, everyone needs therapy. I'm also just like, another whole topic we go into would be like the access to therapy, yeah. and, you know, affordable therapy. Yeah. Or, like I have insurance that I'm very grateful for because mm -hmm. of my dad's work, but then they just have no mental health coverage and not right. insurance. And then me trying to find Asian yeah. women mm -hmm. of who can I can feel validated with. There's yeah. obviously no one at Davidson within the school. And then mm -hmm. there's obviously also I have to go, like, scouring the internet for a woman who is covered by my insurance and is East Asian and, and yeah. is affordable. Yeah. And, and that person might not even fit you. And like, I need another like, woman that, like, you can identify with. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, like it's like, is it just because, like, for my instance, like, just because they're Latina doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to like them, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like dating. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. And it's in conversation with just existing on campus as a marginalized person, not mm -hmm. even if you're involved in activism or not, in whatever regard you are, I think just... And especially, yeah, not even, even if you aren't, like, oh, so-called the leader and activist, I think just yeah. existing on campus as a marginalized person is tough enough on your own body when you're saying, like, just sitting down to do work after, like, a long day of just existing in classes yeah. that you don't feel represented in or you don't feel like you can authentically be yourself and then having to do all, obviously, all this, like, academic work for Davidson and then in addition to the work that you do outside of academics which you which I like we both are like very passionate about but then mm -hmm. how much mental capacity do you have to even yeah. give to those and then you're expected to serve this or hold up this image of whatever organization you're leading and if you and if yeah. you yourself don't uphold that 
then there's yeah. an issue with the entire organization or the entire For thing. Sure. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm, yeah, it's like very um, tokenizing at, at times yeah. as well. Yeah, no, it, it is, it is a lot. Yeah, so I think, I think I should definitely, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do after I leave Davidson because I'm so grateful to have the counseling center. <laughs> Davidson helps me out with like my psychiatrist and everything so I'm super grateful for that but yeah and I think something else that I probably would have told my younger self to do well actually I did do this so I'm proud I did it but if I were to tell myself again to do it <laughs> I think it's like before I like before I entered a community I made sure like I understood it and like I observed it like well and like understood the dynamics happening within the community like like when I entered Davidson like I got to know like the activist community you know similar to how like you're doing got to know like that and like who was advocating for what and like mm -hmm. what to do what not to do what's like the best way to like do things you know all this stuff it's just to stay quiet I think and like learn I thought you're staying quiet because you're not <laughs> you're definitely like you're not like you're 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 learning and you're also like creating your own path mm -hmm. so that's not what I'm saying I'm so sorry <laughs> no, I did no, not mean to come out like that but for me I like stayed quiet and I learned about all these different things yeah. and and I learned then I saw what I can be a part of it yeah and what I can do yeah I'm really grateful I did that because it would have been totally different I would have just walked in and done my own thing and started running things that had already been established and people mm -hmm. were already like doing doing things you know yeah so totally like disregarding their work in regards to the activist community i mean for me i think it's been extreme like you as well as like many other people in the class of 2022 and 2023 have been extreme role models for me and, and ways to continue my activism and ways to learn from you know just gain from gain knowledge from their own experiences or do you feel like how do you feel like the activist community community when you were a first year really played I guess you said that you were trying to trying yeah. to learn which organizations had already like had things established so do yeah. you feel like is that something you would definitely recommend for anyone yeah. coming to Davidson yeah no for sure I just like all it was just mostly like it was either like black women or just women <laughs> yep that were that I looked up to and I'm I still I'm so connected to them like I still like call them all the time Alex Ayello she was a previous SASB president and I absolutely adore her and like it's just like to I look up to her a lot and she did like very similar things too like she I think she had a very similar experience not like of course not just a similar experience but like similar pathway as you she also made like a very big statement on campus about her experience with sexual violence and that sort of also caused a lot of not rioting, but rioting <laughs> on yeah. campus. It caused a lot of turmoil. And with that, she found her like pathway within activism and everything. So on the Davidsonian, if you've never read it. Yeah, I think it's amazing that she has found her pathway and that I feel like I've also begun to find my pathway. But I just it just hurts me that I feel like we shouldn't have to find our path through cyberbullying mm. or just riots yeah. or just feeling like we're yeah. not wanted on campus. Yeah. And I think that obviously, as you were saying, I think something definitely to take, in mind, uh, take into account is that, mm -hmm. you know, I have no regrets or just looking back at my decisions and mm -hmm. advocacy or just in general who I am. That's just how it is. You know, I wouldn't have had this podcast today or, you know, just like understanding different ways that I want right. to advocate. But again, it should never have had to come to other terms of or like yeah. repeat like rehashing or just trauma porn that I feel like yeah constantly is reiterated at Davidson I don't know like it is. How, how you feel but I just definitely think never, no one's trauma should become just something that 
is broadcasted all over the internet for reasons. To become valid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I I think it's super annoying to me. I mean, like you were telling me earlier, like it's hard when you come out about like these story, like your experience with sexual violence, because then you start seeing like you have to sort of prove to people that your experience was valid and that like your, not even just your experience, but like your aftermath or like healing Mm -hmm. and how you feel is valid. I have had to like stop myself from proving to people that the way that I react to things, the way that I react to men, because I don't like men. Um, <laughs> like just Especially have, Davidson. <laughs> no, is it, is it men have caused me a lot of trauma, and I don't feel comfortable, like, being alone with them sometimes. And, you know, um, I, don't, I shouldn't have to explain my trauma mm-hmm. to, to people in order for them to be like, oh, okay, you feel uncomfortable with men. Okay, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I shouldn't have to, like, explain anything to anybody for my feelings or my experiences to be valid. Yeah, it's like you set those boundaries, and I think, yeah, something that I'm trying to embrace in 2022 is just really sticking by setting boundaries and adhering to them and and making sure that the people I surround myself with are respecting those boundaries, Mm -hmm. and also, again, like, if I set these boundaries that I don't want to go to certain spaces, I don't have to also say, because it caused me this trauma or something. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have to constantly be proving yeah. myself to other people to make sure that they are adhering to my own boundaries. Yeah. I think that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I know, something. it's very re-traumatizing. Um, <laughs> because, it, I mean, it, it's super gaslighting, too. Because, it, it, I don't know, I feel like also the reaction doesn't always fit, like, what we need. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's annoying too and they don't you know they don't react the same the, the right way and yeah and you go through all this trouble trying yeah. to like <laughs> explain it and then it doesn't turn out the way that you wanted but yeah how do you see that the work that you've done on campus I guess manifested the way that you see yourself living past Davidson and the way how are you going to continue this kind of work whether it be within the same organizations or just the values that you take away I'm just curious to see how these will manifest in different forms. Yeah. Well, I've learned, I, I work with a podcast right now. It's called Tight Lift. They're really focused on gynecology and over-vaginal pain. And there's a lot of people that, like, when they, like, with over-vaginal pain um, or pelvic floor pain, when they go to the gyno, they experience a lot of trauma because of, mm-hmm. like, the insertion of, like, speculum and just, like, gaslighting also from physicians. So I think that's, it's very similar to <laughs> survivor experiences, obviously not the same, not a, nobody's trauma is the same or the same thing, right? But survivors have a very similar experience when they go to a gynecologist with pelvic exams and like the use of speculums because it feels a lot like past trauma. So I think that there's a realm of gynecology where you can become like trauma-informed. I want to go into gynecology. I don't know if I made that clear. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Okay. I, I really love gynecology. It'd be a dream to be able to go into. So if I end up going into that, that's that'd be fulfilling my dream. Um, <laughs> but there's a realm of gynecology that's trauma informed. Okay. The physicians just do a better job of like treating survivors or anybody yeah. that can be re-traumatized mm-hmm. in the the consulting um, room or in the clinical setting. I think that's definitely how I would want to like approach my work I made a handbook because the reason why I started like being more like interested in trauma-informed gynecology is because a survivor on campus reached out to me and was like oh I just had a pap smear it was so re-traumatizing from my like past sexual violence experience I can't give me resources 
so I gave I gave them resources, but then I also worked with the team to like create a PDF, I guess, like a, a Word doc. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the uh, health center or with who? Um, with the the, oh, the podcast. With, with, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a podcast, but it's also an organization. It's like a movement. Um, okay. I just have a podcast. And it's um, called what is it called again? Tight lift. Tight lift. Um, yeah, they're amazing. I love the team. But so I made a PDF to help survivors or anybody with pelvic pain how to minimize re-traumatization in in, um, their like gynecology, like in the gynecology realm and practices that you can um, ingrain when you're going into like to get checked and stuff. I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty open about like being a survivor, but at the same time, that doesn't obviously mean that like everyone is and just understanding, you know, like you shouldn't have to continually rehash your trauma to yeah. physicians, to your therapist, to your accommodations yeah. team at Davidson, like yeah. other things, to be able to feel validated or to get the help that you need. Mm-hmm. So I think that the work that you're doing is extremely important and also should be a more, like, it should just be spread throughout the entire, like, just yeah. health realm and gynecology I I specifically. Agree. Like, <laughs> it, should, it should be completely funded by, I don't know, just, like, more funded, more recognized, because I think that this kind of work that you're doing is integral to making survivors feel safe, which is, and feel every, make everyone feel safe, and that's what everyone deserves. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, and it's just like the baseline. It's and literally like in control. Yeah. It's like like the bare minimum, but sometimes yeah. it takes more to establish a bare minimum. But yeah, I guess the the final question would be, I guess you kind of touched on this, but do you have any advice or tips you would have to underclass people who are looking to be involved in work like yours? on campus well be part of the organization that you want (laughs) to or the realm of that like you want to do work in. get to know the organization more get to know like what everybody's doing Um, and see how you can fit into that although things are important to like work on i think it's also important to take care of yourself and i feel like once you take care of yourself everything else will fall into place because Mm -hmm. it's not fair to do activism and not take care of yourself and the activism that you do is like half-assed because of the fact that you're not taking you're not taking care of yourself (laughs) and you're not full like if you're not 100% the activism isn't going to be 100% and Mm -hmm. other people that are you know that wants want their voices to be heard or are depending on you are not going to get like the recognition that like we all deserve because of the fact that you're not putting yourself first so it's like put others put yourself first so you could also put others like up to you know yeah no i think that yeah i mean Mm -hmm. i think the whole culture of like self-care or just Mm -hmm. like self-love or whatever has become i know i think that before i always viewed it as oh like this is selfish like Mm -hmm. i'm just so naturally altruistic that i need to give to other people all the time to feel nourished and then when i wasn't I was like, oh, like, why, why am I not doing, like, yeah. what's what's wrong? And I think definitely that the culture that, that Davidson Fosters is not around self-care and not around prioritizing yourself. It's about work and mm-hmm. honestly putting extracurriculars in your resume to look good mm-hmm. <laughs> at times, not I all know. the time, but, you know. And so I think it's, yeah, we, we all know, need those, myself included, need those reminders continually put yourself first with all the work that we have going on and mm-hmm. yes but I thank you so much for taking yeah. time out of your day I know that yeah Davidson life is very crazy but I really appreciate you putting the time to come onto my podcast as my first guest <laughs> and 
I also didn't mention this in the first part of my podcast, but Validea also has a podcast of her own that you totally should go check it out. And it's called Que Piensas Hermana with her Lambda Pai Kai sorority <laughs> and also the Tight Lipped podcast that I did not know of, but you also should get, yeah. definitely go check that out. <laughs> so both of those, you definitely should go take a listen and take time to support Valeria as well because she deserves all the recognition well, as well. Thank you all for tuning in and... I will see you all in the next podcast. Bye. Bye.